Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to take them. Turn with me to the Gospel of Mark this morning. You heard me correctly. We are not going to be in the book of Romans. I was to introduce Romans chapter 4, and the Lord prompted my heart to pause, and we're going to look at Mark chapter 4 this morning. I want to welcome every single one of you, if you are gathering here in person to Big Woods Bible Church or those of you that are gathering online, we welcome you as well. We are, we are created to worship. There's nothing that, that we are aligned more for than to worship God. Matt, I want to thank you and the rest of the guys and Holly as well for, for leading us, but I just felt I need it. I need it that worship. Thank you for ministering to my heart, and I'm sure to the hearts of many, many others as well. <clears throat> there is a note of congratulations for the safe arrival of little Lauren Emma Bob, who arrived this week. <laughs> and she weighs something. Congratulations to Clayton and Kayla Bob and little Lauren, we welcome you. <clears throat> little Lauren, you have been prayed for already, and we thank the Lord for you. It has been a week for, for like the ages, in light of circumstances that we witnessed, particularly on Wednesday, a, a moment that it seems like things are upside down. One of the reasons that the elders and I gathered and prayed and just felt led to kind of pause and, and look at how we're living life together and how we're doing together as family. So that's why what we're going to do this morning, Lord willing, and be encouraged uh, with our time together. First and foremost, we need to just pray. And I would ask that you would bow your heads as we look to the Lord for help as he guides us and teaches us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we do come into your presence this morning, ever grateful that you hear us. Not only, Lord, that you hear us, but that you desire to hear from us. We thank you, Lord, that in a world that in many ways seems like it's turning on its head, that you are in complete control of everything. We thank you, Lord, that we rest in that. We thank you, Lord, that we can have faith in you and you alone, in life or in death. We thank you, Lord, that... You've called us to gather and to focus on you this morning, not, not on the perilous world around us, but focus on you. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that you love us dearly, loved us so much that you're willing to sacrifice for us by offering your own son to suffer and plead and die so we could live and live more abundantly. We thank you, Lord, for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for the text before us. And, Lord, my prayer is that you would illuminate 
our hearts and our minds this morning. That we would leave your house, having lifted up voices in worship and song, but leave your house knowing, Lord, that with you, everything, everything will be okay. We thank you for that. I pray right now specifically for ones that are going through very difficult and even dark struggles. Father, we just pray that you would give strength and comfort to those that have lost loved ones, those who have loved ones in hospital. Father, we just go to you as our Heavenly Father, pleading for your mercy, but thanking you for the love that you've shown us, the grace that you've extended, the gift that is offered. Personally, I ask for help this morning that the focus would be on you, that you would be glorified, but you would help me speak in a clear way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I want to read you a story this morning. <clears throat> it's not a pretend story. It's not a parable. I'll read you a story. It's not um, a metaphor. It's not a myth. It's a real life, true life story. It comes directly from the pages of Scripture. Mark chapter 4, we pick it up in verse 35, and I read down through the end of the chapter. Listen very carefully for the details of this text. On that day, when evening had come, he, speaking of Jesus, said to them, Let us, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The word of the Lord. We have before us a very, very well-known text that carries with it a very clear, it's a very simple lesson. Jesus is teaching. Every moment is a teaching moment. Jesus is teaching us that with faith in him, regardless of how bad the storm, 
regardless of how high the waves or harsh the winds, there is no need to worry about anything. And the reason, he gives us the reason, there's no need to worry about anything, is the fact that God is not only present, present, but he is also powerful. So powerful. Even the wind and the sea obey him. I don't think, I don't think it's a stretch to say that the day and times that we find ourselves presently living in, we could describe it, I think, quite accurately that we are right now sailing in a storm. Right now. It's true, waves, waves of a global pandemic have been crashing in over the sides of the boat. And it seems as if the boat is quickly filling with water. Winds of political, social, racial unrest and upheaval have been blowing and howling fiercely around us and it's not just rocking us as we witnessed on Wednesday afternoon it's what it's tossing us the winds are tossing us around the result is what how are people doing how are people feeling many the word I heard most the word I heard most this week particularly in regards to the events of Wednesday or sadness just sad. Mix that in with the emotion of what? The real, real emotion of anger and anxiety. Mixed in with the emotion of there's people that are, 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 are suffering from confusion and, and we realize that we are in total loss of control with what's happening in the world around us. People are struggling with fear as well as fatigue. What I call specifically covid Fatigue. Just, just done. We're done with this. The problem is this. We're not done with it. I know we're like, we're done, that's it, I'm out. No, we actually are not done with this. Now step back, we know who we are as a church. We have a mission, love God, love people. We have a vision, we build relationships. God is glorified. Lives are transformed through the gospel. We know I have been preaching what we are to move with grace and calm. We know that. But in reality, like, like, what does it look like when we feel, many feel as if we have so little that is left? How do we do this when distance and differences abound probably like no other time. I read this week, it seems as if the church of Jesus Christ is under attack. When in reality, the church of Jesus Christ is being exposed. And I like that. Many would say the church of Jesus Christ the local church is under attack when in reality what's happening is it's revealing, it's exposing the church. 
This Wednesday I said that we met together as elders. We meet regularly and pray specifically. We pray for wisdom. We just need wisdom. We need wisdom in this moment. I was gearing up and had been writing a message all week in Romans chapter 4. And and the Lord just prompted. And we we said we just have to pause here. Thursday morning I was in my office and I was, was reading. And I don't know how, but I ended up in Mark chapter 4, and I was reading this particular story, and I was struck with one particular sentence. I, I have preached on this text before. I preached through the gospel of Mark, and I had never noticed this. That's the marvelous majesty of God's Word. It was, a, it was a sentence that stands by its own. It's at the end of verse 36. And you're like, like where, what does this really matter? And, and it's this whole idea. Done teaching and get in a boat and are heading out. At the end of verse 36, it says this. And other boats were with him. And other boats were with him. Why, why is that detail here? My, my question is, like, who's in the other boats? We know at some level it was not the disciples because I checked both Matthew's account and Luke's account. They all talk about this event. They, they are very, very clear with the fact that the disciples were in the boats with Jesus. What's with the other boats? Like, what are they doing there? We know what had happened. Jesus had been teaching and preaching, ministering, healing. And so as he gets in the boat with the disciples and heads out, apparently there's just other people. I don't know who they are. We're not told who they are. Commentators come up with a thousand theories. But the basic summary is what? Because people are kind of interested in, in about wondering about we want to be near this guy. We want to be close to this one. They're, they're followers, perhaps some of them. Some of them are probably seekers. Like, what is this about? I think probably in the boats, there's just some nosy people as well. Like, hey, I wonder what's going on here. There's probably some people that were hungry. Like, hey, you know, you hang around him, you're going to get some food. So there's probably nosy people, hungry people. There's probably some people that are just bored. Like, we got nothing else to do. Hey, I think in the boats, there's probably some needy people too. We don't know. We're not told. We don't really need to be told. What we are told is that there was a fierce storm that arose quickly. I've been on the Sea of Galilee. What's interesting is every single time I've been there, it's been amazingly, like mirror-like calm, gorgeous, beautiful. Like, well, this looks pretty peaceful. My son has been there. And I don't know when, when they talk about the fact that winds whip up so fast. And it goes from calm, like glass calm, to terrifyingly fast and furious. These disciples, many of them, not all of them, many of them are seasoned fishermen. This is where they made their living. And they are actually so terrified They're screaming, don't you care, as they wake up, Jesus, we're going to die. We're going to perish. And I was struck with this thought. I want you to hear me this morning. Think about this for a moment. If the disciples 
were that scared with Jesus in the boat with them. How terrified were the people in the other boats? Think about that for a moment. The disciples, like Jesus is right there. And they're scared to death. How terrified must those people who are hungry or needy or nosy or whatever reason they're there. How terrified and frightened must they have been. I think, and I don't want to push a text too much. I'm just looking at what's here. But I think it's a pretty accurate picture about how a lot of people are feeling in the world around us as what we are in the middle of this storm. And I don't need to describe it to you. You know all about it. These are times that are truly unlike what? We hear this. Unlike other times in our life, but they're not unlike other times. You can go back, and we have a pretty rich history here. The Church of Jesus Christ. Our role. Our responsibility. From the plagues in the Roman Empire. To cholera outbreak in 19th century England. Histories of political wars, natural disasters, spiritual attacks, flood Famine, bloodshed. The church of Jesus Christ is replete with examples of what? People rejecting fear, demonstrating faith, and embracing what? Their neighbor in love. Even when it means self-sacrifice. Even when it means in elements of risk, not foolishness. But the church of Jesus Christ arises and arrives in moments like this. Do, do you realize that Jesus is in the boat with us? Jesus is in the boat with me. Like, I, I have no idea what this week is going to hold. None of us do. Jesus is in the boat with you with you yes it seems like what the water is coming in over the edges and you don't know how much more you can handle jesus is right there with you therefore this is this is the church's moment in full faith to rise to its call as we stand in a crisis We've kind of seen how bad it has been. We have no idea. We have really no idea. How much worse? Will it get any worse? Will it get better? Justin Early writes that fear is more viral than any virus. I think we've seen that demonstrated. But, but many of us, and we understand, anyone, you're saying, well, I'm not fearful. And that's true. You may not be fearful because we know there's nothing to be afraid of. Joshua chapter 1, Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, repeatedly. Deuteronomy chapter 31. We have no fear. But do you realize that there are many, many people in the other boats that are terrified right now? They're terrified. 
One of the guys in the boat, arguably what? The disciple that was closest to Jesus, closer than any other disciple, is referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He commissioned this disciple to take care of his own mother, and he was dying on the cross. John was there in the boat. John was, what, a seasoned fisherman. And yet John was one of the guys who was soaking wet and screaming at the top of his lungs. And yet it was that disciple who later on wrote these words in 1 John chapter 4. There is no fear in love. The same guy who's in the boat, remember? There's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Listen to this. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And then I love 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love, we love because he first loved us. You, you understand what our role here is? Our responsibility is we drive away fear... We drive out fear by acting in love. Love is what replaces fear. Love is always outwards. Toward God first and toward others second. Think about this. Salvation. Our redemption. Our justification. We've been talking about and learning about. All of that what? Turns us outward. Toward others. In my preparation this week for Romans chapter 4, I was preparing, what, talking about Abraham as the illustration. I can't wait to get back to that, and we will get back to that. But it talks about the fact that he demonstrates faith. We're to be like Abraham, and it says in Genesis chapter 22, who was blessed in order to be a blessing. That's us. That's us. We have been so blessed in order for purpose to be a blessing to others. Those in the other boats don't have the opportunity that we do to lift up our hands and voices and sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. They don't know about the Holy God that has rescued us and redeemed us. Therefore, it's our responsibility what, for redemption, for justification, for salvation to turn outward. Our salvation means the curse of our inward sin is broken. Now we are free to turn outward, to love God, to love people, to, to, to be perfectly poised to fulfill the mission that God has called us to. Right here, little church, middle of a little town. I was struck with this fact of our community. Those around us are those in the other boats. I was like, how do we do that? And so I have to be honest, I, I, I robbed some ideas here. Like, there's really nothing new under the sun. I'm like, like how, do we, how do we apply this? And so I give credit to where credit is, is due. Justin Whitmore Early. He's not a pastor. He can take a sigh of relief with that because they know everything. No, he's just a guy who attends a church. He's faithful. He writes for the Gospel Coalition. He gives some, some simple examples of how we are to live 
Because you realize that those in the other boats, I'm certain, I'm certain that those in the other boats were looking at and looking through the waves and the wind to what's happening with that boat over there. Like, like what are they doing? Therefore, we live as examples. There's my introduction. I have eight points I need to get through this morning. I know. I know. I will go quickly. Number one, here, here, here's what we do. Here's how we show outward love. Here's how we take the justification, redemption, and salvation that we have given, and we turn it. Number one, pray for and obey those in authority. One of the primary ways that, that regular people, we have watched the news and we've listened, what, that, that you and I can help curb the spread is to comply with the recommendations that have been given. Romans chapter 13 talks about the fact that we have ordained authorities. They actually agree with them or not. They've been placed there by God. And we do this not out of fear. We don't even do this out of self-preservation. But as an act of love to the vulnerable. Because there's people that believe it or not, they may be at a greater risk than you are. This thing may hurt them, even kill them. We're early talks about it. He's, he, he said that you can actually take some of these, these um, compliances and turn them into a worship experience. And I was like, well, how's that happen? You know how it's like wash your hands for 20 seconds and sing happy birthday two times or something like that? It's like change. We've had like 27 different songs. We can, you know. He says as you're washing your hands, pray for people who are making the decisions. Pray for them. Pray for those in authority. The Apostle Paul sailed through some storms before. I think that you would agree with me on that, both figurative and literal. What's interesting is that he actually taught his young protege, Timothy, to what? Pray for those in authority. Pray with thanks, but pray for those in authority. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. There are many leaders that have been faced with having to make decisions, really difficult decisions. You and I can sit back and we can armchair quarterback it, right? Many people have made wise decisions and some people have made really dumb decisions. Well, rather than criticize or attack that, hey, how about pray for them to have wisdom to make wise decisions, knowing that God's word calls us to pray for those people who are making decisions. Number two, offer to help the sick and the elderly. Well, this is kind of like a no-brainer. I think we did really, really good with this in March and April and May, and I think we get tired and we forget about people. It appears, it appears that this particular virus discriminates. It targets certain people. So we know younger ones or healthier ones apparently are not going to be as affected, may not be as affected as much as the elderly. So healthy people may be okay, but there's what? Those that are immunocompromised. Those with chronic health conditions who are at greater risk. If you're in the low-risk category, hey, maybe an opportunity for you to minister to those that have been exposed or quarantined. Run errands for them. Check up on them. You need some groceries? 
Need your meds picked up? Whatever it is, this church, this church, I will say overall is well-practiced. Okay? We do this well. Just this week, just this week by way of a testimony, well, we had a baby that was born, and then we had someone in our body that, that, that had a loved one that was buried in one week. And this church rose to the occasion. There's a system in place to minister, send meals, and cards, and flowers, and texts to both of those. That's what we do as a church. Keep doing that. I know it's exhausting. I'm tired of making meals for other people. No, just keep doing this. I'm done with this. No, actually, we're not done with this. Not yet. The church is not under attack. The church is being exposed. Single people. Maybe couples that don't have kids, you, you are especially well poised to serve at this moment. Maybe you're older and you can't get out and about. Maybe you can financially support those that are in need. Every single one of us have a role. Number three, sacrifice and spend your money as an act of love. And I love this. At first, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Look at economically just the impact. Shutdowns have what? Shuttered many places, local places of business. We need to be wise. We need to obey authorities. We're instructed to do that. But within those boundaries, we must see our spending as an act of charity. I learned this this week, of which the root word is caritas. Connect with the idea of loving. That's what charity is. It's offering love. I read this week that America runs on small business, and that's not a political slogan. Like, that's really true. We're in a little town with small businesses. Support them. Maybe you can't go out, but you can get a gift card, or you can support them online. Consider what, maybe, maybe offering a gift card to give to someone else. Or picking up dinner and dropping it off for them. All types of opportunities. There's no need to be hoarding groceries. What a waste. Number four, share good information and ignore bad. I would arguably say one of the most important points that we have to communicate this morning. This is how we show outward love. This is how we show concern to those in the other boats. Share good information and ignore bad. I, I am so annoyed with an armchair quarterback on Monday morning telling, telling the people on the field, this is what you should have done. You should have just moved right and thrown left. Like, duh. And we have what? An armchair epidemiologist that say, well, this is really what has to happen here. No, no, sorry. That's not your background. This is the time that we give deference to experts. Why? So we don't cloud the air with more misinformation. And my goodness, how that has happened. Do you realize that Scripture speaks about this? Proverbs chapter 15, verse 2, The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. Which means when there is something truthful, something that is wise, 
You commend that. You put an exclamation point to that. You love your neighbors by sharing important, necessary, needed information. Don't harm them. Frighten them with unwise information. Be careful with what you share on social media. People are watching and reading and listening. The church should be leading by way of examples of what neighborly love looks like. Before you ever what, hit forward, retweet, read, read to the bottom of the article at least. Goodness. Check your sources. Make sure it's not some weirdo in a basement who's just like pushing out garbage. We have to understand we have a role here. Ephesians chapter 4 says what? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Means no corrupting talk what comes out of your computer, out of your phone. Paul continues on Ephesians chapter 4. What a great chapter just to pause on for, for how the body is to behave. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. Only that which builds up. I love this. As fits the occasion. That it may give grace to those who hear. I, th I think of parents right now. I think of teachers. As Pastor Josh reminded us to pray specifically. I think of those influencers, coaches. I think of Sunday school teachers. I think of youth leaders. I think of pastors business and, and community leaders. We have to understand that there's an incredibly important moment right now that you have influence. Like there's younger people that are looking to you. You have an opportunity to influence like never before. Therefore, you need to be wise in sharing helpful and encouraging information. The church should lead in modeling this. The church of Jesus Christ should lead as the best stewards of our words and our conversations than anyone else. My dad would say, if in doubt, don't. If there's the least bit of hesitation, is this going to build up or is this going to strike fear? If in doubt, don't. Just don't. Just don't. Don't hit send. Don't hit retweet, whatever, whatever you're hitting. Number five, serve and pray for our healthcare workers specifically. Everyone was cheering them in March and April and May, and it seems that there's a sense of exhaustion, like we're done with this. No, actually, we're not done with this. We need to pray for those, the healthcare workers, who are at probably a higher risk than others. They're the first responders. They're the ones risking their lives to protect others. They're the ones that are facing what long days, long hours that are literally exhausted, and we should be praying specifically for them and supporting them. They come home after a long day, a long shift, have dinner waiting for them. Go out of your way to encourage them. They are voluntarily walking into a burning building to do that which we cannot do. I want you to ask, answer this question yourself, just in your own heart. Have you called someone recently who's a healthcare worker? Doesn't matter, whatever, whatever level whatever level of responsibility, have you called them just to say thank you? And, and, and have you been praying for them? And have you called them to say thank you and I'm praying for you? Have you done that? 
Every day I have a goal. I'm going to find one person, just one person, that I want the Lord to bring to my heart or to my mind. I'm going to either call them, text them, or write them. Just say, I'm just, I'm just praying for you. Lord brought you to my mind. Just, just one a day. I try to do that. I'm not perfect at it. I probably could do 10 a day. Number six, feed and watch other people's kids if schools are closed. We were just told that what? Schools are going to be, kids are going to be home half the week now for at least a period of time. One of the most difficult things about schools being closed is that the brunt of this burden falls on the most vulnerable. Where there's actual families where children are relying on meals when they go to school. Did you realize that? They don't have a whole lot. A lot of parents can't work remotely. So when, what, when kids are home, they can't go to work. Someone's got to be there. You may have the flexibility to work remotely. Then move your time around to make yourself available to assist. To offer help to them. Our, our church should coordinate. We can do this. To coordinate with local schools and efforts. To help provide food or volunteer help in some way or services for kids. Particularly those kids that are at risk. Our community is full with people that are, are in need. Wouldn't it be an amazing testimony that in the wake of this moment, we were able to look back and see, in a sense, what where hands were joined in love. We love because he first loved us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. Number 7, keep your home filled with scripture, songs, and prayer. Now think about your own household right now where, where the cracks are beginning to actually work and find their way into, into our own homes. This is an incredible moment where our home should be what? It needs to be a safe place. And when there's danger in this world and people are terrified, I like this one phrase I heard, the home should be a missional outpost of love in the midst of danger. We pray for them. We protect those that are closest to us. We have a responsibility for that. What, what was normal for us, like we had habits and schedules, all of that has been disrupted. Everything has been thrown upside down. But there's some things that must remain. Single moms, we need to be praying for you. Are you reading scripture with your children? Praying over them before you tuck them in. Fathers and husbands, are you leading? Grandparents, are you praying for your children and grandchildren and reminding them we have to keep the word of God in the absolute what? Place of priority that it deserves in our home and ultimately in our hearts. What I found is that there's this, this craziness overload of information, that there's so much noise that's flooding our direction that, oh yeah, we forgot to spend any time today. You know, just, just cut it off. I've encouraged people, they're like so terrified. Check the news once a day, if that. That's it. You don't need to go check in 27 times. Once a day, just say, did, did we check it once today? That's it. You don't need any more. God is on the throne. God is in control. Cling to the disciplines, okay, that have allowed us to have homes that are strong in love rather than what? Sheltered in fear. 
intentional conversations. What an opportunity to speak about God's sovereignty in the midst of a global pandemic. Incredible opportunity. Meals together. Turn the television off. You don't eat in the living room. Eat around the table with conversation facing one another. You put phones away. This seems like rather elementary, but believe it or not, we're still doing this. And the church has got to lead by way of example. There's people that are terrified in other boats that are looking and saying, well, what are you guys doing? Keep music good, good. Worship music. Google, can you play some worship music? And it just plays. I don't think Google has a clue what, what the blessing that Google, can you just play like that song again, please? And again? And just keep worship music, good music, games together as a family, watch good movies together. What an opportunity for your home to be what? A missional outpost of love, strengthened in our own family so that those kids can be a blessing to others. Teaching them that salvation, justification, redemption turns them outward. Number eight, finally, don't stop trusting and worshiping. Don't stop trusting and worshiping. Time and time again in history, it has shown us that our our bodies, our physical bodies don't just need health. We need health, but our souls need hope more than anything ever before. You begin to study, like, what is it that we can actually endure? Like, what is it that the church can endure? What is it that the physical body can actually endure? Do you realize that we can face the harshest and the worst of circumstances as long as there is hope? There's no hope. That's when people crash. That's when churches collide. That's when souls crack. Therefore, what worship is core. It's central to our hope. Do you realize that community, community is the primary place for us to kind of process out loud some of the worries and the anxieties that we are struggling with. Community gathering and worship to hear the good news of the gospel that is to be regularly preached. And we know that the way that we do this even has been altered. So if we have to stay online, we have to stay online. If you have to stay virtually, but stay faithful in that. One of the most encouraging things that I've heard from people over and over and over and over again in the past couple weeks. Pastor, don't you worry. We miss you and we'll be back. We watch every single week. We miss being together. If you physically cannot, those of you that are immunocompromised, those of you that are more susceptible, but be faithful to that. And we know that we'll have what in the wake of us, an opportunity to say, the church wasn't just what under attack. The church was exposed. So we have to keep trusting and worshiping. Consider the amazing time, experience, the opportunity for us to learn what it means, the importance to be summoned together in the name of God. You realize that in circumstances like this, in moments and times like this, we actually begin to get a little bit of a glimpse of how the majority of our brothers and sisters worship across the world. The persecuted church doesn't, can't do what we can do. So they meet in pockets. And they long to get together with one another when they can. We actually can learn from this moment. 
My prayer right now, as we are truthfully sailing in a storm, is that it be a moment of maturity for us. As we're sailing in a storm to remember our identity, who we are. A blood-bought body of believers who have been blessed, who have been so blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. Have faith in our Savior. He is right there in the boat. And see others that are in the other boats struggling in fear. Go to them. Love them. Pray for them. Father, we thank you for this moment, as difficult as it is. We thank you, Lord, that you are using these circumstances to chisel us and to smooth us and change us and repair us so we can be strong, healthy, spirit-led followers, faithful followers of you. Thank you for your love for us that never changes, that never budges. We ask this in Jesus' name.